Welcome to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at lifespringchurch.us. Today is Vision Sunday for LifeSpring Church. So you made it to a great day. Today we're going to share a little bit about direction for LifeSpring Church this year, what what the Lord's laid on my heart to share with you and kind of where we're going to go as a congregation for 20 and 23. Maybe I'll spoil the surprise. It's nothing new. <laughs> he's calling us to the same things he's always called us to. He's leading us in the paths that he's already led us to. And so 2023 is a journey towards being disciple makers. Last Sunday I told you it was a it was a primer for this week, and if you get a chance to listen online, you can go back on our podcast and listen to last Sunday's service. So really, I, I'm not a huge theme person, but I do feel like at the beginning of the year we need to speak direction and talk about direction for where we're going. And so it really isn't a theme this year, but it is a vision. It is a, a goal. It's a purpose. It's, it's a benchmark out there that we're trying to reach for and, and obtain and And it's our goal to get there or to get as close to that as we possibly can as a church and in our individual lives. Our mission here at LifeSpring Church is we are a community of Christians with a vision to lead others into a spirit-filled personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We're not necessarily looking to build a crowd, but if Jesus wants to bring a crowd, we'll feed the crowd spiritually. We're not necessarily looking to get rich and wealthy, but if God wants to send the multi-billionaires, we'll more than happy let them be stewards of the kingdom. We're not looking to build followings or movements. We're simply looking to help other people have their own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what we aspire to be. This is what we stretch ourselves to become. It's what God has called our church to do. That's the reason we planted LifeSpring Church, was to help others be in personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This is our identity. This is who we are. We are disciple makers. We don't make disciples of ourselves or to ourselves. Let me rephrase that. We don't make disciples to ourselves, but we make disciples of Jesus Christ. Over the coming months, you'll see and we'll talk more about introducing classes or training or even opportunities where you can become involved in making disciples. We already have one of those opportunities. It's Celebrate Recovery every Monday at 6.30. If you want to help somebody else become a disciple of Jesus Christ, join Celebrate Recovery and learn the process that they're learning through, going through and learning, and you will be able to help others. There will be other opportunities and things we talk about throughout the year. But this idea of being a disciple maker, it comes from Jesus and his great commission. Go ye therefore into all the world, preach the gospel and baptize. That's what he commanded us to do, to preach and to baptize. That is making disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're called to do. But being a disciple maker has to have a solid foundation underneath it. Anybody here ever built a house? 
That's some people that have built houses before. Did you start with the rafters? Did you get a crane to hold the roof up in the air while you built the house underneath it? How absurd. No, you start with the foundation. You start with the footing. Actually, you start by digging out the ground and getting rid of the stuff that's in the way so that you can then pour in the footings and the foundation to build a house. And and the foundation of being a disciple maker is faith. Faith. If you don't believe somebody wants to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's pretty hard to convince yourself to teach them to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You ever had a, an experience in life where you were teaching or training somebody that was not interested in what you were teaching or training? By occupation, I'm a project manager. I've been on some projects with people in meetings, and I'm like, Hello. I'm here to help you do your job better. (laughs) It's difficult to reach out to somebody that doesn't believe in what you're talking about. And we ourselves can't be a promoter of something that we don't believe in. And so we must have the firm foundation of faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so it's with the direction of the Holy Spirit that this year we are going to start off. Even today, we're going to build up and reinforce the foundation of faith that's in our life. Being a disciple maker is more than just head knowledge. It's more than just good intentions in our heart. It's more than just statements that we make with our mouth. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is deliberate action that we take in our relationship with Him and deliberately looking for opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, some people are saying that just seems impossible. It just seems impossible that I would be a disciple maker. Well, there's many, many, many avenues, and we'll talk about them throughout this year, where where you can be a disciple maker. Not all disciple makers are like the Apostle Paul, who would get on a ship and sail to faraway countries and meet people he had never met before. That's one way of being disciple makers. There are other people who are disciple makers like Timothy's mother, and grandmother, who just instilled what it meant to be a disciple inside the four walls of their home. So it's not impossible. Matter of fact, through faith and with the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life, it is possible. And that's what we're going to talk about today. It is possible. If you have your Bibles... Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read a couple of verses in Hebrews 11. Then we're going to flip over to the book of St. Mark chapter 9. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Skip down to verse 6 in chapter 11. It says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And then if you'll turn over to Mark chapter 9 and verse 23. Mark 9 and 23. Jesus said unto them, If thou canst believe... 
all things are possible to him that believeth. Maybe look at your neighbor and say, it is possible. You can be seated. Thank you for standing in reverence to the word of God this morning. By faith, it is possible. It is possible. What's possible? All things are possible. Sometimes I wonder if, well, let me speak for myself. Let me not put it on everybody. How many times have I read the scripture and I read that all things are possible to them that believe, and then in my mind I have the list of exceptions, right? Well, everything is possible if I believe. Well, except for that. Well, I don't know that. And uh, Well, all things are possible. Yes, Lord, except for, you know, that and this and Do you know the first and greatest example probably that we've all experienced or many of us have experienced in our lives is salvation. And salvation is a response of faith. We are saved through grace by faith. It's our first expression. It's our first obedience to God is faith in our salvation. Salvation is just not in believing, it's in believing to the point of being obedient to what God has called us to do in our lives. Romans 5 and 1 says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is Bible language, let's let's break it down, justified by faith. There's a, a theological term that's used in in church, you probably haven't used this word on your job or when you've been out shopping or over at your friend's house. Justification. Do you talk about that word often? We don't use that word. That's, That's church language, justification. What is justification? Justification is, well, one preacher broke it down this way. It's just if I'd never done it. Justified. Just as if I hadn't sinned. Just as if I hadn't had my failures. Just as if my hurts, habits, and hang-ups hadn't messed up my life. Just as if I hadn't lived that life that I put away. How How are we justified? We're justified by faith. Not just by believing faith, but by faith that says, I believe it so much, I will act upon it. What is the very first act of justification that we take in our lives. It's prayer. Lord, I confess I'm a sinner. Lord, I confess I've made faults. Lord, I'm asking that you would be my Lord and Savior. I'm asking that you would forgive me of my faults and I make a commitment to you, Lord, that I'm going to walk away from these things that cause me to fail in your eyes and I'm going to embrace the things that cause me to be more like you. It's the prayer we pray as a sinner. It's a repentant prayer. The prayer of repentance. The prayer of forgiveness. Yes, God can forgive us, but he says, anything you ask in my name, I'll give to you. So the first thing we often ask God for is forgiveness. We pray the prayer of faith. Lord, forgive me. And God does what only he can do. He forgives sins. 
Man, that really messed up the religious leaders in Jesus' day. Take up your bed and walk, and your sins have been forgiven. It's cool that you healed him, but whoa, you forgave his sins? Who are you to forgive sins? Well, he's the one and only one that can forgive sins. We can only pray the prayer. We can only ask somebody to pray a prayer. We can only lead and teach somebody what the purpose of the prayer is. But they have to pray their prayer of repentance. And when they do, that's an act of faith on their behalf, believing that God will hear their prayer, and then God does what only he can do. He forgives sin. That's faith in action. It's not just in repentance. It happens all throughout the obedience of the gospel. The gospel is the death, which is repentance, the burial, which is baptism, and the resurrection, which is the infilling of his spirit. Baptism. It's a faith in action. Baptism is that remission and that removal of sin stains from our life. It's the washing of water. It's the application of the blood. It's being called out under his name in baptism. The book of Titus says it's the washing of regeneration. He takes us and regenerates a dirty heart to, into a clean heart, a, a, a broken spirit into a whole spirit, a, a person who is divided and set aside from God and draws us into his family when we take on the name of Jesus Christ. This is another act of faith, faith in action. We walk into the waters of baptism we get buried in the name of Jesus Christ, as, as Peter said, for the remission of our sins, for the removal, for the wiping away of our sins. And he cleanses us and purifies us. So we are justified by faith. Acts chapter 26. It's the story of Paul's conversion. He's telling of his conversion. He's talking about how he was uh, leading on a, a, a troop of individuals headed to conquer the Christians. These religious zealots who were following after this man named Jesus Christ and who were turning their cities upside down and they were rebelling against the law of Moses and, and they were causing all kinds of religious chaos because they didn't believe it the way that Paul believed it. Or at that time, Saul believed it. And so Saul is riding on his beast towards the city. And the Bible says a great light shone and knocked him off of the animal and blinded his eyes. And he's laying on the ground. And he's, he's obviously aware enough to realize this is not done by humanity. This is done by the divinity. And, and he screams out, who art thou, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus whom you resisting. Why do you keep kicking against the goads? Why do you keep kicking against the prod? And Jesus then begins to tell him some direction in his life. And verse 17 is where I want to pick up this conversation where God is talking to Saul. He says, deliver thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I send you. He's given him his life direction here on this road to Damascus. 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgivenesses of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. 
Okay, we ran into another biblical word. You probably are even less likely to use this word in your everyday language. Sanctification. This is not a, a word that names a process from, from religion that you go through a sanctification process to become a saint. Sanctification simply means to separate or to, to call out. The Bible says, come ye out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. He asks us to make an act of separation unto him, which is when we leave our old life and we begin to live a new life in Christ. But the first act of sanctification is when God separates us from our old life and calls us into new life. This happens when he fills us with his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit comes upon us. There's this new thing in, in the computer world, and maybe you've become part of it, where you can create tags or, or hashtags on different files in your computer. And, and if you want to find something under that topic, you just do a search for that one topic, and everything that you've got bookmarked or indexed or tagged under that tag will come up. Jesus places a tag on us, spirit-filled. If he wants to find all the spirit-filled people, he can just look up his index, spirit-filled. These people, I've set them aside. They're, they're a little bit different. It's not, it's not exclusive. He doesn't say only certain people can be tagged with spirit-filled. It's open for everybody. It's inclusive. It's just a process where his spirit comes to live inside of us. We are filled with the Holy Ghost. And we are sanctified. We are separated. We are called out to him. We are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Then Ephesians 3 and 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. I just want to grab this, this phrase right here, this first part of this verse that says, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. Did you know nobody received the Holy Spirit that didn't believe in the Holy Spirit? That's pretty obvious. If I told you sitting in this entryway was a table prepared. While you were sitting in here, someone prepared a table and beautiful tablecloth and china with sterling silver utensils. And sitting on that beautiful porcelain plate is the best ribeye you've ever had in your life. I shouldn't have mentioned that. Now I've lost everybody's attention. If you believed it with every ounce of your spirit and your soul and your mind and everything in you, it didn't care what I had to say the rest of this service. You'd be in there playing musical chairs to see who could get at the table to eat the ribeye. You must believe in it if you want to receive it. So you must believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not my nature and it's not my place and, and I don't do it often and I don't even really intend to do it. It's not my, my intention to throw stones. 
But I have a hard time having conversations with people that don't believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit to tell me that you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, of course you don't believe in it, and of course you're not experienced it because you don't believe in it. But you can be filled with the Holy Spirit because I've experienced it, I believed in it, and God did it. Any witnesses? So we have here today this example, and, and I'm building foundation for what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is not mystical. Faith is not invisible. Faith is not unknown. Often, as I, growing up, when I, would, I would hear this verse, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And, and my mind just skipped part of that, and my brain just grabbed a horn of faith is hoped for. I miss that is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is tangible. It's so tangible that in the book of James, they say, if there's any sick among you, let him call on the elders of the church, and they'll lay their hands on you and pray the prayer of faith that you will be healed and your sins forgiven. If I believe that enough, that the word of God is true, then when I'm sick, I'm going to call on an elder of the church. Hey, will somebody just lay your hands on me and pray for me? I'm sick in my body. I need to be healed. I need God to touch me. So the foundation that we understand today is salvation comes by faith. Salvation is possible by faith. But it's not just salvation. Living for God and being a disciple of Jesus Christ, the word of God teaches us that everything is possible by faith. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, everything that we do should be a demonstration of faith. Now, we have faith in our families. We act in ways that demonstrates faith in our family members. We act in ways that demonstrates faith in, I guess the only way I know how to say this is, in the creation. If you thought there would be no tomorrow, you would do a whole lot of stuff today. And one of them wouldn't be lay your head down to sleep at night. We go to bed at night believing that the sun's going to rise in the morning. We have faith in that. We have confidence that it's happened for, well, I don't know how old you are, but that many days of our lives, it's probably going to happen the next day of our life. We have faith. Everything that we do is by faith. And as a disciple of Jesus Christ, our life in Christ is by faith. If you go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, there's an incredible chapter. Some have called it the Hall of Faith. And I like the, the name. It talks about the patriarchs, and we're going to read about them here in just a bit. And all that they have done in, by faith. Hebrews 11 wasn't put in Scripture like the Football Hall of Fame. It wasn't there for us just to walk by and admire everybody else's accomplishments. 
Hebrews chapter 11 isn't a museum of God's great people. Hebrews chapter 11 is an example to us of what happens when we walk by faith. Hebrews chapter 11 should be one of the most encouraging verses and passages or chapters in all of Scripture because I can read Hebrews chapter 11 and be like, yes, yes, it is possible. It is possible. If God gives you a calling in your life, he's able to fulfill it. It is possible. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith they understood, oh, excuse me, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the words of God. So that things that were seen were not made of things which do appear. And then it begins. By faith. Abel offered a sacrifice that was acceptable to God. Faith, back up. Abel believed that God would receive his sacrifice so much that he offered it. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. You skip down to the end of that verse, it says, this is verse 5, for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. He was living in such a lifestyle before God that he thought, if I live according to the will of God, I could please God. He believed that there was a way to be pleasing to God. And so he chose to live a lifestyle that matched that belief. He didn't realize probably the result of living that lifestyle. He lived it to such perfection that God said, hold on. You cannot stay in a corrupt world. I've got to get you out of this corrupt world. By faith, verse 7, Noah being warned of God, prepared an ark or built an ark. Talk about faith. Well, I'm not going to get into all the Christian science about why it hadn't rained and, and all that stuff, but it had never rained. And here's Noah building an ark expecting a flood. I don't know that he'd ever seen a flood before. If you read scripture, all the water in the earth was still held in the earth. It didn't break loose until the flood. And the firmament of water in creation that was over the earth had never fallen onto the earth yet. So it had never rained. It was simply the difference in temperatures that God created that caused a heavy dew to be upon the earth and water all of the vegetation. I've seen some pretty wet dews in the morning, but I don't think I've ever seen anything that would require an ark. But Noah believed it. He believed it enough that he told his neighbors. The Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. He was telling everybody, you need to get on this ark I'm building. 
there's going to come a flood, and you need to get on the ark. You need, God's going to flood and destroy the earth because man's mind is continually on wickedness. God's going to judge the earth. He's going to kill everything that's on the earth. You need to be saved. You need salvation. You need to be saved. Well, Noah, how are we going to be saved? Well, you've got to get on the ark. Noah, you've lost your mind. He believed it enough he did what seemed ridiculous to others. And when the first raindrop fell, a lot of unbelievers became believers. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have, should after receiving an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing where he's going. And there's several verses here that talk about Abraham. Abraham would have never possessed the promises of God or passed the promises of God on down to the next generation if he had never packed his suitcase. Abraham believed God's promise that his descendants would be as the sand of the seashore and as the stars of the heavens, innumerable, so much that God was going to give him a land that he knew not of. He believed it so much that he packed up his suitcase, grabbed his family and his nephew Lot, and said, all right, we're going to go find this place. Well, where are we going, Abraham? Where God called us to. It's a great answer. But where is that, Abraham? He said he'd lead us right there. Well, which direction are we going to start walking? Wherever he says in the morning when we get up, that's the way we're going to go. Abraham, this is a great journey, it's a great plan, and you have a lot of, a lot of ambition, um, Abraham, but uh, my GPS requires a destination before it can give me a route. Faith says, I'm just going to walk the route, and when God gets me to my destination, I'll know I'm there. So Abraham had enough faith that he moved kind of like us going and renting a U-Haul and they say where would you like to drop your U-Haul off at the place I get to well which store is that that, that which city and, and state you know where are you planning to move to so we can you know make arrangements for you to drop off the the U-Haul truck once you get there I'll just have to call you when I get there and let you know where I'm at because I really don't know where I'm going <laughs> by faith he moved By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. The same promises that God gave to Abraham, God also gave to Isaac. And Isaac believed them so much that it was bigger than him or his generation that he says, I haven't seen all of God's promises come to pass, and so I'm going to pass the promise on to the next generation. By faith. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed the sons of Joseph. He also had the same faith of his father, Isaac. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave them commandments concerning his bones. I love this verse. It's just the small family of Joseph living in Egypt The Israelites haven't multiplied. 
Matter of fact, they're still in favor with Pharaoh, the leader of, the, of Egypt at this point in their history. And he says, hey, someday we'll not have to stay here. Someday we'll leave this place and God's going to take us back to the promises of my father, my grandfather, and my great-grandfather. And when he does, don't you dare leave my bones in this land. You dig me up, put me in a basket, and you take me back to my promised land. He had faith, so much faith that he gave a commandment to them that when we leave, you take me with you. Now, he didn't understand all that was going to happen between his declaration and his leaving. But when they left, Joseph went with them. It's by faith we do. It's by faith we live. It's by faith everything that happens in our life is accomplished. It is possible by faith, if you'll believe it. This has been all the easy part of the sermon. Now it gets a little tougher. Because through your faith, it's possible. Not just through faith as an idea is it possible. Not just through the faith of, of the patriarchs is it possible. Not just through the faith of, of a church leader is it possible. Not just through the faith of, of whatever is out there. Through your faith, it's possible. The church, the Greek word in the New Testament is the ecclesia. It's not talking about wood and sheetrock and shingles, metal, wiring. It's talking about the people. The church, the ecclesia, has been cornered by our society and we've been pressured to hold our faith under wraps. Maybe you've heard statements or, or been pressured in, well, you can believe whatever you want to believe, but you just kind of keep that to yourself. You know, the best way for us all to, to live together is if you just believe what you believe and I'll just believe what I believe and, and we really won't interact with each other on, on the belief system. We'll just, we'll just interact on places where we're in agreement. Well, there's some people in the world, the only agreement we have is McDonald's is gross and we're never going. No. It's a spiritual battle we live in. It's things that we wear and, and are weighed on us and, and are heavy on us. Our, the morality of our culture, the, the acceptance of things in our society today have become things that push on us and, and shove on us. Sometimes it's like a boxer in the boxing match who gets punched in the left and punched on the right and, and backed up into the corner. And culture and society say these things are acceptable and these things are not acceptable. And, and these things can be lived out loud and these things must stay in the closet. And these things can be talked about and these things can't be talked about. And, and if you want to talk about it, go ahead in your home, but don't talk about it in the marketplace. And, and don't talk about it in the workplace. Who's ever felt that pressure before? We feel that pressure. It's because we live in a we live in a human dimension, but there's also the spiritual dimension happening all around us. It's the it's the heaviness, it's the force, it's it's the, the weight of sin, it's the weight of a corrupt world, it's the weight of well, the spirit of Antichrist rising up in the last day. Let's go to Hebrews chapter ten, verses thirty seven through thirty nine. For yet a little while. 
And he that shall come will come and will not tarry. He's coming. He's coming. His coming is closer than it's ever been before. Oh, well, duh, it's another day gone than it was yesterday. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about just a calendar flipping over to another day. The signs are saying he's closer than it's ever been before. What day is he coming? I don't know. No man knows the hour or the day. Are you pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib? I don't know. I'll tell you when he comes. I guarantee you it's one of them. I have an opinion, but I don't know. guess I'll drop a bomb. Nobody knows. If anybody tells you they know, remind them that you have an opinion. <laughs> but he's coming. And his coming is closer than it's ever been before. He taught in the book of Matthew, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. How was it in the days of Noah? Men's minds were continually on evil. What about all the other signs? What about earthquakes and all these things happening? Yeah, those are additional signs. But the only sign that Jesus really pointed out to us was men's minds will forever or will always be on evil. i got to keep reading. That's another message. I've got to stay on the highway. I can't take exits. 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Can I tell you what this verse says? This verse says, we're not going to go hide in a corner and let society push us in a corner and let culture push us in a corner and hold us back and define our sphere of influence. We're not going to hide out and just wait for perdition. We're not going to hide out and just wait for the end of time and trouble to come. No, no, no. We are, as Christ said, pushing forward to the saving of souls, to the making of disciples, to the leading of others to Christ. I'm preaching an anti-cultural message today. I'm telling the church, don't hide in the corner. Find somebody. Tell them about Jesus. Find somebody. Tell them how good God is. Have a religious conversation. About Jesus. I'm pushing us today. This is an act of faith. Do I believe in Jesus Christ? Absolutely. How much do I believe in him? So much I'm going to talk about him. Do you believe your co-worker could be saved? Yeah, I believe they can be saved. How much do you believe they can be saved? I believe it so much I'm going to talk to them about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it can change their life. Do you believe whom the Son has set free is free indeed? Absolutely I believe it. How much do you believe it? How strong is your faith in it? So much that if I have an addicted friend, I'm going to tell him, hey, you know you don't have to live under the bondage of that addiction, but if you'll come to Jesus Christ, he'll break off the broke, the yoke and the chains and the bonds of addiction he'll liberate you he'll set you free he'll make you more free than you've ever been in your life I believe it so much that I'm like the boxer who's been pushed back in a corner that says hold on a second I hear we got one more round and this round is in my favor because it is possible it is possible possible
I think the perfect example is the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. They were all in one place and in one accord in the upper room. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven and filled them all with the Holy Spirit. You, you're familiar with Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 1 tells us there was about 120 in the upper room. Then the people in the street said, they're speaking in tongues. How's he speaking in my language? I'm from this country, and he's, a, he's not from my country. How, how is he speaking from my language? And, well, how is that one speaking in my language? And what's going on here? Something, something drags. These men must be drunk. The commotion in the upper room didn't stay in the upper room. The commotion in the upper room ended up in the street. The church left the upper room. The church left the safe quarters in which they were at. Yes, there was a moment of birthing. Yes, there was a moment of empowerment. But the Bible says that you would receive power to be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The church left the upper room and went into the street. Not... The street left the street and went into the upper room. I love it when people come to church. I love first time guests at church. But the real call of God is that the church would go into the street and share what happened in the upper room into the street. That's impossible. I don't know that I could ever do that. That's impossible. Through your faith, it is possible. How possible is it? Well, 120 people in an upper room turned into 3,000 people in the street. How awesome would it be? If you're at work and your coworker says, man, I'm not feeling very good today. And you said, you know what? I have a card here. Let me fill it out. It's a prayer request card. I'll take it to church and I'll let them pray for you. What's your name? What's your symptoms? How long have you been feeling this way? Where does it hurt? Have you talked to your doctor? Are you on any prescription medicine? Okay, I think I have enough information. We'll, uh, we'll put that in the prayer request box and uh, maybe God will work on that for you. Through your faith, it's possible. What happens if you say, hey, before you leave, can we just maybe step over here to the side of the corner? Can I pray for you? I believe God heals, and maybe God will just touch your body, and, and you'll go home and get some rest, and you'll wake up tomorrow all feeling all better. Maybe even the night before you get home, you'll be feeling better. Would it be all right if I prayed with you? Well, that's impossible. No, through your faith, it's possible. Do you believe God heals? I hear a lot of prayer warriors. <laughs> What happens when your family comes over and they're unbelievers and they say, oh, my life is a wreck. My life's messed up. All this stuff's going on in my life right now. And how many times, and I'm just as guilty. I'm not throwing stones at it. How many times have we been just sucked into it? Oh, it's terrible. I know. Let me tell you how bad it is. Oh, I know. I got problems too. And before long, you've dug yourself a, a pit of gloom and doom. 
you'd call it a self-pity party, but there's too many people there. What would happen if they began sharing their woes in life and everybody has them? And you said, you know what? I've had similar situations, I understand. But let me, can we just pause a second and just pray for it? Have you ever prayed with anybody in your living room? Have you ever stepped outside your car or maybe in the parking lot with somebody and you've had a conversation and before you guys split ways, you just kind of stood there next to your cars in the middle of a parking lot and prayed with somebody? Have you ever asked somebody, hey, let's step over here in this conference room real quick and just have a quick word of prayer? Does God answer prayer? I believe it. I believe God answers prayer. I believe it so much that I'll pray with people. Through your faith. It is possible. Faith is more than just knowing it's possible. Faith is knowing it's possible so much that I will take an action that moves beyond just intellectually accepting that God can do it to believing that he will do it, and he will do it because I will take an action that builds a pathway for God to do what only he can do. Just like when we got saved, we do what we can do, We build a pathway that allows God to do what only he can do. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Yes. And he forgives. Here in just a few minutes, and I'm I'm coming to a close. We're going to gather together for prayer. I believe there's going to be a demonstration of faith here today. Faith and action. I believe God's going to move in a way that only God can can move. We'll do what we can do and we'll let God do what he can do. Acts chapter 3. Peter and his sidekick are headed to the temple to pray. Which means they've been carnal all night because they've not been to prayer meeting yet. That's tongue in cheek. They've not yet made it to prayer meeting. I just want to set the scene. They've not, they're not leaving a power-packed prayer meeting. They're on their way to a power-packed prayer meeting. And they walk by the gate. The Bible says this man has been lame in his body since his birth. This isn't the first time they've gone to pray at the temple. They've not the first time they've walked past this gate. The Bible says this man's family would bring him all the time and set him at the gate to beg for alms. Peter and James have walked by this guy who knows how many times a week. Something was different on this time, the prayer. They'd left an upper room. They'd seen the miraculous happen in the street. And they were walking along. And the man says, alms, alms. And something just like a lightning bolt went through the Peter. And you know Peter. If you've done a personal study on Peter before, you understand he was... He just didn't know when to keep his mouth closed. He was, he was a little off the handle sometimes. And, and that, that kicked in real quick. And it kicked in for the good this time, not the bad. And his mouth just began to move. And he was probably thinking to himself, mouth, what are you saying? Hey, silver and gold, I don't have any, I don't have any money. But what I do have, I'll give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. What did I just say?
of the story would be incredible. The man would have jumped up from his, to his feet just from the words of Peter speaking it to him. And he would have went off running and leaping and dancing, healed into the temple. But that's not how the story goes. Peter spoke it and the man was still sitting there. Acts 3, 6 and 7. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately, not at the words, not at simply believing it, but at believing it enough to take an action, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he went into the temple, leaping, dancing, and rejoicing. Do you believe it enough to act on it? The model that we're talking about today comes from the ministry of Jesus Christ himself. An example by all the apostles. Jesus began his ministry by healing the sick and raising the dead. He did the miracles as a sign of who he was. The apostles did the miracles as a sign of who they served. The very man we just talked about who was healed at the gate beautiful. He's running and leaping and dancing and, and celebrating. And, and people start asking, how did this happen? And they're like, oh, by the name of Jesus. And, and the religious people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Who? How? I love the question they ask. It's in Acts chapter 4. How did you do this? Just the question tells me they didn't understand. We didn't do it. He is the one that did it. We prayed the prayer. We acted in faith. And God did what only he could do after we did what all that we could do. <laughs> oh. What would happen if you laid hands on the sick and they recovered? The Bible says, These shine, signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall have healing in their body. They shall be made whole in their body. Would you stand with me this morning? We have some who are sick, so sick that they're not at the house of the Lord today. And I believe God can heal them right where they are. Jesus was talking to a man, and the man had so much faith. He said, if you'll just send your word, Lord, they can be healed. The Bible says in the same hour, the healing happened. But we're here. So we're going to demonstrate our faith today. So if you're here today, and you're sick in your body, or you've been sick in your body, and you're on the, the road to recovery, but you're not all the way back yet, here in a minute we're going to come forward, and we're going to have God touch our bodies today. 
I'm not a TV evangelist. Nobody's sending in an offering. I'm not mailing out anointed handkerchiefs. I'm not into all that. That's showmanship. There may be some, some honoring. God honors the people's faith in that, but that's not what we're doing today. If you're sick, James says, call on the elders of the church, lay their hands on the sick, and they shall recover. If you believe it, God can use your faith here right now to heal the sick. If you have a person in your life, or maybe you are dealing with a physical ailment, I'll have you come forward in a minute. We're going to pray. If you're dealing with a life situation and you don't understand and you need a miracle, I'm going to ask you to come forward in just a minute. And we're going to believe that God can do the miraculous. The vision is we're going to rebuild or reinforce our foundation. And upon this foundation, we will reinforce and build our discipleship, ourselves being a disciple. And then out of that will grow us being disciples. The vision for this year is it is possible. What's possible? It is possible. Healing's possible. Salvation's possible. Recovery is possible. The backslider can be renewed to God. It's possible. God will honor stewardship and pour a financial blessing in your life. It's possible. God will give you direction when you're confused and in chaos. It's possible. What's possible? All things are possible to him who dwells in Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.